You're listening to the Empowered Woman, Badass and Unfiltered Podcast, a place for inspiration, empowerment, and personal development. Showcasing badass women from all over the world, giving tips on personal development, mindset, and healing. I'm your host, Olivia, transformational success coach for spiritual female entrepreneurs. Now let's dive into this episode. Do you know what it takes to become a meteorologist as a female? You're about to hear from a woman whose passion is weather forecasting and storm preparedness. Many know her as Weather Woman, but she is also Amy Metz, a mother, army wife, and wonderful human with a heart of gold. Thanks so much for joining me, Amy. Um, Tell me how you got started in meteorology. Well, thanks for having me here, Olivia. When I was young, my mom would drive us to her hometown in North Dakota from Southern California every summer. And my eyes as a kid would be glued to the window, looking at the storms outside on the way there. And one year when I was about six or seven, there was a tornado out the window. And I just grilled my mom after that. I had seen ball lightning the night before. I saw different colored lightning in every single direction as she was frantically searching for a hotel room for her four kids. She just was driving and driving because they were all filled. And she knew that the severe weather was very dangerous. And come to find out, fast forward 20 years later, she never saw that tornado. But In that conversation I had with her after I saw it and I saw the police officer speeding past 90 some miles per hour down the highway, it just sparked something in me that I wanted to know how that happened, why that happened. And she told me I could become a meteorologist, that that was the word, that was the job I needed to go after if I wanted to work in weather. That is awesome. And I'm so happy that your mom was like, well, this is what you need to do in order to do that. Like, she wasn't like, oh, well, women don't do that. Like, I love it. Was so lucky. She was raised by a farmer and um, he had wanted his kids to go to college. He only had girls and he always grilled her saying, Susan, you can do whatever you want. You can be a doctor if you want. And she became a microbiologist, very into NASA also, but decided to go with microbiology. And all my life, I looked up to her as a scientist. And now here I am learning from people at NASA, working with them, learning about space weather at this point. So how long have you been in the industry? I started out in college um, doing a lot of broadcasting. Uh, My very first tsunami report on the green screen was done in 2011. So that aired on a a public broadcast station. And from there, I just spent a very long time following my husband everywhere, going to 10 colleges now at this point in order to get my degree. And I've been in the professional field since 2018 at this point. That is awesome. Like, and I know what it's like as a fellow um, military wife. You know, and with y'all being army, I feel like, dude, 10 colleges, like y'all move around a lot. How many duty stations have y'all been at? Well, I met him here while he was in Honolulu in Hawaii. And so from here, I was already a year and a half into meteorology courses and decided, all right, I'm going to just follow you now that I met you and I'm in love with you. Uh, And I, I ended up graduating University of South Alabama, but because his duty station was a whole 200 miles from my school, 
I ended up finding another school in between where I could do some of the other courses. So, I mean, there were three colleges right in that time period too, before I actually got my degree. And now I'm, I want to get a PhD. So I'm happy uh, that one of the perks to this whole, everybody being on lockdown thing was that we are able to do a lot of courses online now that were not available years ago. So I'm working toward a master's now uh, online. That is awesome. That is awesome. And how many children do you have? I know I saw like two, two boys, but. You know, everyone thinks my little baby girl is a boy because she's so rugged and wild. And of course, girly girl. Oh hair my God. Young is kind of short. I so saw I'm... one of your boys really. And then like glanced over. So, yeah. okay. She's a wild girl, two years old. And then um, Rambo is four. I have Rambo and Xena, two and four. Oh goodness. And what, what is like. Has that been hard when it comes to like being a mother and a meteorologist, like when you were working for different news stations, what was that like, like balancing the time and everything? I ended up walking away from my last job, actually, because of it. Um, The first one I got offered here in Hawaii, I lost within 30 days because I was hospitalized. I became very sick after I had my daughter. She was only four weeks old when I started at the number one news station. And it, my health took a drastic turn with medication reactions and it was awful, like kidney problems. So that one we went goodbye on and over the course of them changing ownership, they weren't even looking for the fourth meteorologist anymore, which was the seat I had filled when I got there. They still haven't budget wise. So I went and I, uh, into another station here, KITV, and I was producing news and it was a little bit soul crushing, honestly, to be writing and typing about all these storms in the United States and know like, I'm not there though. And now I'm working with the storm chasers. I love it. It's like really relit that passion for me. And I knew something was wrong with the amount of time I was spending with my kids. It was the commute to drop them off at the sitter and then go here and there. And then the weekends, you know, was filled with me getting my clothes ready and meals prepped for everybody. And we weren't having any quality time whatsoever. And I was working a night shift. So it made it even more strange, like coming home and then wanting to sleep or finding babysitters when my husband was gone off of the island. Uh, it was like, now I'm having to get people to come in over night hours and sleep here with my kids. It it was not, it was not ideal for a family or any kind of family time. It didn't happen. Oh my goodness. I can only imagine like, and I love that you have like gone on like your own and because you are a legit storm chaser. Like it's so, so cool. Cause I was looking into becoming a storm chaser because I'm like so obsessed with hurricanes, you know? And then I was like, looking like, what does it take to be a storm chaser? And I was like, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm going to just volunteer after the math, aftermath, like I, <laughs> but I give like so much respect to people like you that actually like go and it's like almost like firefighters, like go into a burning building. Like, I think it's so cool. Yeah. And just like firefighters, you know, they get a little bit of training. They understand, well, what beams are likely to fall in what case, well, what structure of the, what part of the structure will stay put. So then in that case, so when I'm working with storm chasers now, which is what I've transitioned to, uh, I'm able to say, stand in this, uh, let's say south west portion of the strong concrete structure with rebar in it so that you know that you have a duck down in case there's a tornado passing when my friend was in Hurricane Laura, let's say. And he was able to go up over the little um, lookout point from the 
parking garage and then capture all of the flying debris. And when it got close, he ducked down again. And so he was safe and I got him positioned properly. And then we were able to say yes and confirm with the National Weather Service, there are tornadoes on the ground. So do send out the warnings that people have to take cover right now. But it's so tricky and things can change so fast that, I mean, you've just, you've got to know a lot before you get out there and feel confident and stay safe. Yeah. And seriously, the storms are so unpredictable because you don't know what's going to happen. Like they have a mind of their own. And like when you're in them, you don't know when they're going to turn or when they're going to like, most of the time when these things are on land, they like slow down and stuff, especially with hurricanes, but still you have no idea. Well, that's where people like me come into play. My specialty really is um, severe weather. And so I can look at a storm, even just on regular reflectivity radar and say within 30 to 60 minutes before, there's probably going to be a tornado in this one. So that's what I've been doing today with my storm chaser partners out in the field. I said, okay, line up in this spot. And then he's with some people, you know, where they know how to read the radar, but things you say change so fast, people don't know what's going on, but just the pattern recognition, the things I've learned about different products, I actually made a video on YouTube recently about understanding weather apps. So you can see things called correlation coefficient, base velocity, and there's all these other little players and you can get a vertical cross section now right on your app on your phone and see um, this view from ground to up in the sky and get ideas of, okay, where is the rota rotation going to be next? Where is it now? So, I mean, it's just it's exponentially getting easier and easier for every person to understand this. But, but you're right about how things can just um, develop where a lot of people in untrained eye wouldn't realize something's going to spring up. Oh yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I'm going to need you. Like I'm, I'm so pumped to know you for hurricane season because I'm just ready to talk about hurricane season. <laughs> and I mean, today as we're, we're recording this there's like you were telling me that there's gonna be what like 20 hurricanes not hurricanes tornadoes possibly with the storm until friday like yeah, that's crazy for a week now i've been calling um shouting from the rooftops there's gonna be a big tornado outbreak first tornado outbreak of the year an outbreak is considered 20 or more and um yeah so throughout the southeast i definitely see 20 to 30 actually being confirmed and um, luckily so far, everything's been kind of skirting around the major cities. I haven't heard of any damages or um, injuries yet. And so I'm just crossing my fingers. They don't come through as any fatalities here. Definitely, definitely. Like, so what are some of the um, predictions that you've made that have helped other people? Well, I, I noticed, um, you know, in the United States, when I started doing things on my own, I wanted to do a global outreach. I'm studying space weather and so those are global impacts that um, the different solar storms can cause on earth and very new science how we're realizing that these solar storms increase lightning, probably cause lightning, increase storms on earth. Um, so we just had a coronal mass ejection called a CME, leave the sun last night actually. And a lot of people are saying it's not earth directed, it was on the backside, but I am 99% sure that we're still gonna get a bit of the shock wave passing earth's magnetosphere. So that's just charged plasma leaving the sun. Uh, and then it interacts with our magnetic field and that ends up from the outer layer of our atmosphere affecting the weather inward kind of slowly. So I can imagine over the next few days, whatever storms we're having now are just gonna get a little bit worse and a ton more lightning. 
So in that case, I was able to forecast things that the models aren't picking up. Now this last hurricane season, the models did a great job because we didn't have a lot of solar storms. So they just kind of ran their course and they're pretty accurate. But when it comes to places like Nicaragua, the Caribbean, um, also even like now that we were in the South Pacific, I noticed a lot of people in Fiji, they don't have the same outreach. Uh, they seem a little bit more blindsided. A lot of those places don't have radar stations. So I am able to share my screenshots that have a satellite view of the radar. So that's coming from outer space rather than a station on the ground where it doesn't exist in some cases. So people were saying, well, where, where is this? India was another big one. How are you getting this information? We don't have it here. And that being able to tell them where these torrential downpours are going, hey, get out of this area because in the next four hours, there's probably gonna be landslides like we saw in Guatemala. That kind of stuff really saved people. And I was able to get them, um, people to understand that you need to find somewhere different to go now. Do look for those community centers, at least a full day in ahead. I would be sending out those messages one to three days ahead. Nicaragua was another big one with the Cat Fives. They had a couple- Two of them in November. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I'm glad those warnings got out there. And, um, and the, the death tolls were all under 200 people in every single major event, which compared that to like a couple decades ago, that's down like two orders of magnitude. Like they used to be in the 10,000s. Oh, wow. Wow. That is huge. And I mean, just as I saw what happened in Nicaragua, I was like, oh my God, I want to go over there. Like it's on my vision board because I really want to go volunteer there. But right now my organization is not there. And I kind of like love the organization that I volunteer with. But you you totally look at things like before they happen, before the destruction, before all that. And I think that's, it's just so important because you're actually saving people's lives. And I don't think that, people realize how important meteorology is. And we take for granted here in America, the technology that we have, because there's so many people that don't have that. And you like, you're literally making it so clear to me. Yeah, it was a big eye opener. And so I'm so happy to be able to share with the people too in other countries where this is, they don't have these um, technologies that a lot of these applications now are available on phones. And um, I hate to hear the stories like in Fiji where phones are so much more expensive than they are here. But at the same time, it's getting easier and easier for them to access this information. Some people would have to go in and pay money to go to a cafe where there's internet connection. And then they can go view like the products that I'm putting up of like close-ups of each little place. And I just kind of go with the flow and see what they're asking for. And I've noticed a lot of people want those close-up views. And, uh, you know, when I put arrows, it's something easy. It's uh, transcends language barriers to just have a big storm and maybe say like more or like the little emojis with lots of rain or something or a tornado so that they can have a heads up yeah wow like that's you and you do all of this for free Yes, uh, I thought I would just kind of let things grow organically because I was stuck in a rut there. Like I said, I was felt soul crushing being there doing what I was doing. I was like, I know this isn't right for me, not even seeing my family. 
And uh, it's interesting how every time I've kind of turned a corner where I'm like, uh oh, I'm getting worried about money or this or that, but I feel compelled to, you know, keep moving forward and helping people as a service, the money just kind of falls on my lap for different random reasons. It's happened throughout the whole last year. So I, I'm really grateful. I feel like I'm going in the right direction. And, and I can't, I cannot get myself to charge people for these forecasts when really it's just my skill that, and it's my gift and I want to share it with people. I love that. Like you have such a good heart. Like when I spoke to you last week, I was just like, this lady is so amazing. Like she just wants to help save people from, you know, and by using your skill, it's real, it's a real active service. Um, so what do you think is coming up in the next couple of years for you? Well, I have been talking with the Hurricane Hunters, so that's through NOAA, the Air Force Reserves. Very exciting. Um, I tried to track them down since I was in college, like just starting out meteorology school, and they are like the hardest people to find. And finally, I went to an open house. It was the week I left my job at the news station. Uh, ironically enough, they ended up doing an open house. So I have friends here at the local National Weather mm -hmm. Service. And they were sharing, I saw on their, you know, posts that, oh my gosh, the hurricane hunters are coming to town and they're going to show their aircraft. They're going to show all their tools and instruments. I was like nerdy excited. Like you wouldn't believe brought my whole family. Like it was like a full museum day. I shook hands with and talked to all the hurricane hunters that were there. Like, I was like, you guys are like the rock stars to me. You are the people I want the autographs from. <laughs> like, uh, and, you know, long story short, I got a lot of their contact info uh, in order to join their team. So over this last, uh, it's been about a year and a half since then, I have gotten the um, my foot in the door with the proper people to become a member of the Air Force Reserve so that then I can join the Hurricane Cane Hunters team. And so that's a possibility. Um, and it can be part-time even. Other than that, I'm moving to Georgia. So I could even potentially be working for the Weather Channel. That's something I've um, been making contacts with. I mean, this it's also like, those were my two big, goals as a as a kid thinking I would you know do this job and so I could potentially do both if I want to freelance for one and then do the part-time hurricane hunters there's a possibility I think I could overlap them that is so so cool I'm I'm really of course we're going to keep in touch so I'm going to keep up with what you got going on but no that's awesome what um suggestions would you give to other women that want to be meteorologists that happen to have children um, don't give up. And with me, oh my goodness, don't worry if you have, if you do poorly, you get caught up with things and have to retake a class. There was one course I would be getting up at 4am, dropping my son off at the sitter, driving an hour and a half to school, getting into class. I was also starting a new job at the time because I needed some money and I was pregnant. And so I would be sitting in class and just like doze off sometimes. And like, you can see on my notes, it looks like the ones where my kids scribble on now. I would just, the pen would just fly off the page and I'd be knocked out. But I just bit the bullet, realized I was gonna have to wait a whole nother year to retake that course and just decided I would do it gracefully. And next thing I knew, uh, I, I had a better footing in that class when I went to it again. And it was dynamic meteorology. So it really is one of the most important things. And I think it's why I had such a leg up on severe weather forecasting compared to the models and a lot of my um, classmates. I really, having that in my head twice, I think it really, really helped to me. So just keep doing it if it's your passion. Don't feel bad about something that seems like a minute failure at the time. 
Oh yeah, that that's a good one. And I thank you for sharing something that's like with actually giving an example of like what you were going through. Cause you said an hour and a half to drive to school. Mm-hmm. And that is a long time. Like <laughs> aside from being pregnant, having a job, also having a child, like well, doing all the throw up, like morning sickness alert, no, like <laughs> over and over, you don't even know. Four o'clock in the morning, like what? <laughs> yeah. The, the thing that energized me to go a lot of these too was that, you know, I love storm chasing. Gosh, there's a ton of weather. That is the rainiest city in the United States, Mobile, Alabama, where I was going. We get a ton of severe weather. So I got to drive under tornadoes in front of funnel clouds. And I mean, that was just like the highlight because uh, being a busy mom at the time, I didn't really get to go out and storm chase on my own. I was in school all the time going to work. And then my husband would be a little hesitant, like, I don't know what could happen to you. <laughs> that's, that's my dad voice for him. But they now- always do that. now he knows he knows he's like you know what you're always you are always right with the weather and I feel I feel like uh I can trust you he says not going now he's like he's not worried anymore it takes him a while to get there though you know like they're always gonna like oh and it's their form of caring you know and it's so sweet like oh look at you caring about me but Yeah, it's it's nice when they realize and respect like, oh, you know what you're doing. You're about this life. Like yeah, it was cool. The moment I put my friend through the eye of Hurricane Laura and my husband saw that while I was here remotely in Hawaii, he he had a whole new view of uh, what I could do. And then now that I'm joining the Hurricane Hunters, it's really nice to see like he is so supportive and so excited for me. I've never like seen him so proud of me and like confident in what I'm doing before. So now there's really no question. He's like, you go do what you're gonna do because you're doing doing it right. I love that. Y'all sound, how long have y'all been married? Um, I want to say six years. I'm 2014. Must be going on seven now in September. Yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. What, what y'all's anniversary? September 13. It was thunderstorming all around us. I had to forecast that day too. We got this beautiful picture of us kissing right after we said I do and a lightning strike behind us. And um, I told them my friends set up the whole wedding for us because they weren't going to go do it. I knew in the contract, if there was severe weather and lightning nearby, the staff shouldn't go out. You know, there's a hazard, but I was like, well, it's not going to rain. It's not going to thunder on top of us. I, I kept doing all this stuff and some of my friends heard. So like, what? what they're not going to let you do outside. They set everything up. And I said, it's not going to happen until five minutes after we say I do. We'll make it really fast. And it did. It started sprinkling right after that. And then it was just stormy all night for the dance party. Oh my God. That just, I'm, I'm imagining this in like some area. I, I don't know where it was. The beach, Destin, Florida. Oh, I, oh, oh, I know what that looks like. I've been, I used to live in Panama City. I, oh, nice. I love going to McGuire's every time I go to Destin. Yeah, that is fun. I I do love it. It's quite a show. All the money everywhere. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, I, I don't even think about that. I think about like just like the third floor looking over and you can see Crab Island out there. And it's just like, I went and I saw uh, Heritage. It's a local like reggae type band um, in that area. And they were on Crab Island like the weekend of 4th of July one year. And it was just like, such a magical like we're in this disgusting water where everybody's being in it and we're watching but I mean it's fun it's just and that that oh goodness and you know what it rains every day in Florida somewhere for like 30 minutes so you you did the right thing 
I'm so grateful I chased him out there because I I wouldn't have learned what I learned about weather and forecasting if I hadn't been under the gun like that with tornado warnings coming at me, hurricanes coming at me. I chose Hawaii for school because I could surf still. And the first couple months I got here, we did have record-breaking three-inch hail, water spouts, crazy thunderstorms, but that's rare out here. We get that kind of stuff mostly like every seven to 10 years. What do you think is going to happen with weather um, in the next 10 years with um, climate change and global warming? Well, on the, on the um, big scale, we're heading toward a solar minimum, like the 200 year grand scale solar minimum. So overall, a lot of things will actually be decreasing in temperature slowly. Uh, we did have some points where temperatures rose a bit with um, solar maximums. There's an 11 year scale and a 200 year scale. So there are some points there where like different major cities were warmer, but there is so much variance with the hows and whys those stations changed temperature over the last, um, let's say a few decades, because there's a urbanization factor where people build up cities and then more of the infrared light comes down into the ground and stays hot on the concrete longer than it would if it was on grass. So over the 30 years, that kind of skews. But now we have the satellite imagery. So I think that we're gonna have a little bit more of a clear view of what the actual temperature changes are if we only use like one set of data, like just the solar stuff, because these ground stations are so variable. And I think that um, when we have La Nina in the Pacific, we tend to get, like we did this last year, it means the water temperature is a little bit cooler than average. Mm -hmm. We tend to not have hurricanes in Hawaii. And we didn't. We had one like little bit of a scare. But that in that case, we get more severe weather. It's kind of like ends up with what's called a long wave pattern. We get these really um, strong systems coming from far north into the southeast United States. So it could then, with this La Nina, give a few less storms to North Dakota than normal and then more storms to the Southeast like we are seeing today, tornado outbreaks in that region. So kind of just now I'm happy I'm looking at the global scale because it really, from my perspective, it seems like things are just dancing around in different places. Like our geomagnetic pole is uh, moving right now and it always has been. So mm -hmm. I mean, it's another factor as to why, well, we're not getting that weather we used to get here, but then all of a sudden we're getting a lot more here. Yeah. So to me with this, because I feel like there's so much misinformation when it comes to climate change and global warming and a lot of scare tactic and a lot of, well, we need to do this and we need to do that. Um, and we should build up certain things. Um, but I, it's very interesting to hear what you have to say to someone who like, she like pays attention to this stuff and, and knows the science behind it. Um, because there, there are times that I question, I'm like, you know what, like, things change nothing is ever the same like as as time goes on like of course the older people are always saying well this isn't for instance in America this isn't the America I used to know and this well the thing is it wasn't the America that you grew up in for the people that were raising you either like that wasn't the one that they grew up in like there's forever a constant change going on and I think that that's something that we need to take into account when we're talking about climate change and global warming, because they are two different things. And um, it, it's how much we really contribute to it, you know? 
Yeah. And so on that note, I've had a lot of professors. I've worked in a lot of places. Like, you know, I went to so many schools, right? I've had a chance to really, I'm a, I started as a reporter, by the way. So I already am very like, um, I'm very talkative. I want to question everybody and learn as much as I can from everyone. So I've probably grilled about 20 masters holders who have, you know, degrees in meteorology related studies and maybe another like 20 with PhDs. And it turns out that all of those who really focused on weather all but like three said, man has very little to do with this. So that whole 90% thing that we we have, you know, pushed in our faces and our ears from all around saying that 90% of scientists believe this, you know, like it turned out to be in my experience that over 90% believe that humans are a very small cause. Carbon is not the thing to blame. Carbon taxes are a very dangerous and unnecessary thing to include into this conversation. And that's what I was hearing from people. And so the more and more I look and read, the more I study now about global effects and getting my master's, the more I believe that side. So it's just like the sun is going to do what it does. And when we reach these solar minimums, like we're coming to, it means that our entire solar system opens up in some ways, it's magnetic field, a little bit more to intergalactic space. So there could very well um, be elements that we don't have on our periodic table yet that then come into the sun and then the sun redistributes that to us. So the cause and effect of all that is just, it's all for us to you know, imagine about right now and wonder. And on that note, just to kind of give you an idea of what that means to us here is that when there's solar flares and these um, things, these solar storms coming from the sun to earth, every particle goes through our bodies. Gold flies right through your body, little nano, tiny microscopic um, pieces that can go through the walls. And there's so much more to learn about that. But so what that could do for weather could be a pro, could be a con. And it's just a matter of us being prepared. Yeah, because we just gonna have to find out. Like, that's what it sounds like. Like, y'all just didn't wait, guys. Because, um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, being prepared is obviously what's super important. Um, how would you suggest someone prepare for, let's say the tornadoes that are going on right now? Uh, you know, just getting out of the way? Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> I always say the best thing is to get away from them. But the general rule of thumb, if there's a tornado warning near you, is to get in the most interior portion of your home. Um, so what I've been saying personally is um, have your app available or your favorite meteorologist. Because some people, like I, we were talking about those storms that can pop up that aren't even there yet. But when it comes to tornadoes, a storm usually needs to be there for a little bit. There's different colors on the radar and the really bright ones are the ones that mean, okay, now that it's getting strong. There's different hook echoes, like signatures that can appear and tell you, okay, this is rotating now. But if it's red at all, I would say just be weary, have an eye on it and know that you're near a community shelter. If like, let's say someone's in a mobile home, don't be there while this stuff passes. I even made the joke uh, in a group. And then as I was um, researching my joke, I was like, hey, that's actually pretty good advice. Go shopping at Costco if you have a really, um, you know, poorly built home or real thin walls and you're worried, like they do um, create their structures out of concrete with rebar. So even some malls might be a better place if like you have kids and um, you want to just 
not go sit in a community shelter for hours wondering and waiting like take take the time to go do some errands and but look at the radar make sure there's nothing that's going to be passing you at that time just kind of watch it play out a lot of them have future cast also so that's probably the best tool is looking at the future cast where are those really bright colors of the radar going to pass don't be there is is the best thing yeah yeah and i like i really like your suggestion of actually like you know, just get on the app. We have that. We have, we live in an amazing time. I'm just going to point that out because I mean, we've got all this technology. We're, we're able to connect. Like you're another, like I knew, like when you said you were an army wife, I was like, I just, I knew I was like, even though I'm air force, it's still like just one of those things. Like, cause you get it like moving around. It's just a different life. So it's like, I mean, and you must've had like a similar thing with, when, with COVID, kind of laughing at people like how are we supposed to plan things now and it's just like um. uh, oh yeah <laughs> exactly yeah uh we can make plans but things will always arise I, I felt so grateful with uh the things I decided to change in my life but, uh, with the timing that came about with everything like that it flowed together all right for me goodness um <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so, I'm so happy that we've connected and everything. So my last question for you. Six feet with a partial cover, by the way, from the garage door where the laundry room was into the um, kitchen of the house. And I mean, she was like pulling on this door, like with all her might. And so now that I'm older and I've got to get the whole story, it turns out there was a water spout off the coast of Southern California around Newport Beach. And there is this drainage area that is now, um, a lot of it's actually been turned into a road in the last few years, but it ended up giving kind of a, a space that was a nice, easy pathway with nothing in the way for this tornado well, from going from a water spout can be a land spout and then a tornado. So it ended up coming right up Newport Beach about a 15 mile trek to where we were living in Tustin, California. And so she says she's in there doing laundry and all of a sudden the garage door kind of like starts moving and rattling and, and it all sucked in toward her. She goes, this is the low pressure. Her hair, her hair standing on end. You know, having grown up on the farm, she was just like an amazing person with weather who would say on a sunny day, there's gonna be a tornado today. And there was. So she just, she feels this stuff. And um, and it turns out that she was right on the news. There was this wild, rare, random tornado in California, I think on average gets about 11 a year in different places, but that location is not common. So that really sparked my interest. And she would take us storm chasing all the time. We'd go out to the desert to see comets and we would go out to other places where there'd be um, storms because she just missed it being, you know, growing up in North Dakota and seeing that stuff it was part of her life sitting on the porch with her dad and enjoying the storms and she just instilled that in me so deep that I knew from a very young age that's what I was going to do I tell you what amazing women produce amazing women so I'm so excited to see what's what your daughter ends up doing because like your mom sounds like such a badass and you're such a badass I'm just like oh my god like you're a flipping storm chaser like this is so cool I, I just can't get over that but Anyway, I just want to thank you again for coming on and talking with me and sharing your story and giving some tips and talking climate change too, because so many people like don't want to touch that, like that think differently. So, but we think very similarly, um, yeah. but yeah, thank you so much again. And guys, if you're listening, definitely check out her links in the show notes below.
Thank you so much for tuning in to the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. And thank you for doing this, Olivia. Of course. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman Badass and Unfiltered Podcast. If you found any value in this, please consider sharing and subscribing. Now go out and be a badass.